Time for our weekly check of the economy from CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Tax season officially open, and Jill has a few things for us to watch out for. Number one, Monday, April 15th. That is your deadline to either file or request an extension. Um, If you live in a federally declared disaster area, you might get additional time to file. Good to know. On that IRS website, irs.gov, there's a great section called Get Ready, and it will prepare you. And you'll be able to take the steps that they say you need to take in order to begin the process of filing. What does that really mean? You got to get all your documents. And if you don't know which the document, which documents there are, they're at in that get ready section. But maybe pull last year's tax return out and that can be a guide. But don't start filing until you have all of those income related documents. W-2s if you're an employee, 1099 if you're getting um, some either side hustle money or you're self-employed. Uh, unemployment compensation is taxable. Dividends are pass- are taxable. Pensions, annuities, retirement plan distributions, all taxable. Make sure you have everything before you begin. It's strange that my retirement money has to be taxed, but I suppose. Oh, my gosh. Here we go with the whining. Here we go. Uh-huh. Okay. It is not strange because your retirement money has not been taxed yet. If you use pre-tax retirement mm-hmm. um, accounts, so you've got a traditional 401k, traditional IRA. Remember the deal you made with Uncle Sam? Uh, yeah. Let me remind you. You said to Uncle Sam, put this money in this account. Don't tax that money right now. Later, when I'm over the age of 59 and a half and I pull the money out, I'll pay the tax at that point in the future. I see. I thought that they were going to forget about it, though. I thought maybe. No, you pinky swore. You that. made a pinky swear. You mm. did it. Mm. Oh, well. All right. Mm. And, 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 and being, being really old doesn't count as, as a, an exemption of any kind? There are some exemptions. We can go, we'll dr- drill a little bit deeper later in the tax season about this. But okay. yes, being old is an advantage. One way it's an advantage, just to be clear, is if you need assistance in your tax prep, uh, the, you'll like this one. If you're over the age of 60, you're entitled to use tax counseling for the elderly what? over the age of six. Yeah, I said, that is outrageous. I'm way cl- too close to 60 years old, and that means I'm elderly? Come on, they've got to rebrand that service. Anyway, tax counseling for the elderly is there. Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA. This is great. If you have income less than $64,000, you'll get help. And if your income is less than $79,000, you are entitled to use free file. This is the IRS um, program where they work with tax prep companies and they'll offer you free online products. So what? that's kind of, yes, but so you like, got to make less than 79 grand. Okay. But so at that level, though, TurboTax is free? Well, it, TurboTax has to participate. So you oh. got to look and see which plans participate in your state. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of great. Um, also, just a reminder, there is one other thing I should mention. The mill tax program. So if you, this is kind of, I didn't know about this. I just learned about this recently. Um, Department of Defense has a program called mill tax free return preparation and electronic filing software for federal tax returns and up to three state income tax returns for all military members and some veterans, no income limit for that. We're hearing from CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Let's hear about the new child tax credit. There is a child tax credit. It's up to $2,000 per child when you file your returns for every child under the age of 17. Credits are always more 
valuable than deductions. Okay, so this is even if you're not if you're claiming claiming the standard deduction, you still are entitled to this tax credit and there's some income limits. But here's a deal. The credit is available if you are earning less than two hundred thousand dollars as a single or head of household and four hundred thousand if you're married filing jointly. So a lot of people entitled to this. The credit is partially refundable. What does that mean? Well, you think about a credit. Think of what you, oh, I get a credit. But that would be predicated on whether you had a tax due, right? Mm -hmm. So part of this credit, $1,600 of it, is refundable, meaning you get it even if you don't owe any taxes. Really important. Okay. There's a bipartisan bill winding its way through Congress. Congress, remember, they're the ones who cannot agree that today (laughs) is Monday, January 29th. Right. So we're a little worried that they're going to get this done. That's true. They would actually expand the child tax credits refundability. Instead of sixteen hundred, they'd move it up to eighteen hundred for last year, then nineteen, then two thousand. And also, there is a real movement afoot to make sure that the tax credit is indexed for inflation. It's not right now. Mm-hmm. So unlike many other parts of the tax code, which just change based on the inflation rate. The child tax credit has never changed with the inflation rate. So I don't know if this is going to make it through, but just remember, even if you're if you are filing for a lot of any kind of credit, just know that there by law, the IRS sometimes cannot issue your refund for a return for certain credits until mid-February. So don't get a jump on this part of the filing process. You can wait a couple of weeks. Let's see what happens. But the bottom line here is they're encouraging us to have children. Or they're acknowledging that if you have children, the cost of raising those children has mm. expanded dramatically. Well, and it really too. has. Yeah. CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Thank you, Jill. My pleasure. It's time for Crime and Punishment. Our check in each week on the crime data with Casey McNurthney from the King County Prosecutor's Office. And according to Casey, homicide rates in 2024 are happily lagging last year. This time last week, we were uh, at one homicide for the county, which was a pretty good start to the year, compared particularly to previous years. Um, there were three, though, last week. There was the, the West Seattle teenager who was killed, uh, the shooting at the Tuckwiller Costco, and then also the uh, delivery driver who was killed in unincorporated King County. And again, the procedure for this is you go to the scene, and what do you do? So the prosecutor who's there observes the scene. If officers need a search warrant, they're there to help with the legal paperwork if they need that. Also, really what it does is it helps when that case eventually comes in. They're usually the prosecutor who's assigned to it. So when they're in court later saying, you know, here's what we're describing, they recall it from being there and also with the autopsy too. And nothing new to report on those yet, except you're pretty sure that there are no uh, crazed killers at large because of these things. That's exactly right. And also, a little bit of good news is if you look at at the same time last year, there were 12 call-outs by the same point last year. So not great that we saw the numbers like that, but still better than we were at this point last year. Okay. Now, on the matter of anticipating uh, shootings, you've you've embarked on this safer schools strategy. Explain that to us. Yeah. Jamie Kivestad is the senior deputy prosecutor in our office. Office, and she is one of the people who reviewed the Ingram High School case from 22. And she is the person also, whenever there's a, a school case, whether it's a shooting or another crime, it lands on her desk. And what she noticed is that there wasn't always great communication between law enforcement and prosecutors and school districts and school teachers. And so she saw that need there and said, let's just bring everyone together. And so here she is describing what she's doing with uh, the Safer Schools Initiative. We are involved as well at the district level on threat assessment teams where we've been invited 
advocate for safety forums like in the Lake Washington School District. And then we're also involved at a statewide level, participating in a legislative advisory committee that is chaired by the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction. So it's been sort of evolved, I guess I would say, over the last year or so. And it's something that we really want to share with our community now so that they understand um, the, the commitment of the prosecutor's office to supporting safer schools. So is there a, mecha- a mechanism uh, where if a student knows that there's a, a beef going on between two kids at the school, that can be reported or anything yeah, like that? Exactly. So they can tell a teacher or a mandatory reporter, they can talk to uh, prosecutors. And really what's happening now is is when schools have something that they're concerned about, they can reach out to Jamie those calls all go to her and she puts them in touch with the right persons. So she filled that gap where before that there wasn't that communication where she can say, Hey, if you have this concern, here's another district, another teacher who's had that same concern, or here's a law enforcement agency that has dealt with it with that same kind of issue. And they, and she gets them connected to kind of walk through what to do there in the years past. Also, when there was a, a kid who was charged with a crime, the teachers or, or the district didn't always know in cases where the court said, hey, you can go back to school, which is a lot of them. And and so she saw that need there, too, to say, hey, if you've got resources and, and one of the goals of teachers and schools is, is to try to help kids from not make bad choices later, you know, letting them know, hey, this kid's been charged with a crime and the court says he can come back to school, letting them know that that kid is in that situation is a lot better than them not knowing, which was happening before. So she's filling that gap. Here's uh, Jimmy again talking about that. You know, there's only so much that we can expect our schools to provide without helping them with resources. And so that's really, I think, what our commitment has been to do, just to coordinate as much as possible, to facilitate communication, to provide information so that they can make the best decisions about safety planning, about threat assessments, and really to follow up on individual cases when we receive them, make sure court-ordered conditions are being met, to make sure all the system partners know who each other is, you know, how to reach everyone. Like I said, I've been very fortunate to be able to do it. I'm surprised that you're saying before this, a kid with a troubled past would just uh, go back into school and nobody would be notified? Right. Not in the same way that they are now. And, yeah. and, and so in some cases they would know, but but not consistently like that. And Jamie saw that from, from her role and said, hey, we can do better than this. We got to get people together. And the goal is to have that better communication because that's going to lead to lower recidivism. We're hearing from Casey McNurthney with the King County Prosecutor's Office. And uh, it turns out he has some fans in the Renton Police Department who reached out to him with a couple of cases of stalking in the area using that AirTag technology. We were seeing AirTags that are showing up in people's cars and they're stalking cases. And they sent us a couple of those, but they asked if, if you and I could help get the word out that if you if you see an AirTag and you're not sure where it came from, call police. And here's Megan Black from Renton Police talking about uh, what they're seeing and, and the seriousness of it. So our recommendation is that you absolutely call your local law enforcement and report if there is a, a tracking device following you and it, it's not been authorized. What happened in the two cases that we are currently investigating is the victims were alerted on their cell phones that there is an Apple AirTag moving with you. Now, imagine getting that warning on your phone. It's pretty unnerving and a little frightening. Um, All you have to do is tap that notification on your phone and it'll pull up a screen with the information about that AirTag. It'll bring you a map as to when it was last tracking you. And most importantly, you can follow instructions on how to deactivate that. Now, 
you do have to have your location services on. You need to have the Find My um, app on iPhone. But if you have an Android, you can download a detector app, which will also give you these notifications. What a weird world we live in now. You're so so your phone will say, by the way, you're being followed. Right. <laughs> and, and what people, I'm, I'm sure, sometimes want is for you to go, oh, that's not me, and then just ignore it because then you can continue to be tracked. But, you know, part of why this is so important is because domestic violence is, is the most common type of violent crime that we see. There was almost 5,000 cases last year, and a lot of those are felony stalking cases. And they rarely make headlines because, understandably, you don't want the victims to be re-traumatized seeing that in the news. But, you know, there's more than a dozen cases a day of domestic violence that we see and charge. And and so it's it's... What Renton Police doesn't want is for this to become a pattern. So people like slip this thing into a piece of clothing or, a, you know, in a, behind somebody's car seat or yeah. whatever. Any type of technology that is new and innovative like that, you can you can almost always guarantee that somebody's trying to use it for, for bad purposes, whether it's, it's a domestic violence case or another type of crime. So not to sound like a weird weirdo here, but if you see something and say, that's a great, that's a great piece of technology, always kind of wonder like, Hey, how could this be used improperly? Because odds are it probably is at some point. Mm. Casey McNurthy from the King County Prosecutor's Office. Thank you, Casey. Thanks a lot, Dave. This is Seattle's Morning News. Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. Let's consult with our tax whisperer, Ken Williams of CLA, because I understand that Congress is fiddling with the child tax credit, which could uh, make tax filing a little more appealing to people with kids. What are they considering doing? Yeah, Dave, the child tax credit has been around for a few years now, and there's been a big push to try and reinstate some tax provisions in the tax law. And so currently in the House, there's some legislation that would provide uh, larger tax credits for children, make a larger portion of it refundable. That's good, a little extra free money. And so that it's just a matter of how it's going to be paid for and whether they can muster the all the support they need to, to get that passed. It may affect 2023 and 2024 going forward. Okay, so how, how much money are we talking about here in terms of uh, what an, an individual could collect on this? Well, it, it's a little complicated in terms of in the past, only a portion of the credit was a refundable tax and the balance of it would just reduce your tax, but you couldn't get money back from the credit. And so they're looking at beefing that up. You have to kind of work through it. Obviously, I can't be giving tax advice on the radio, but um, just from a general standpoint, a lot of people could stand to benefit from this increased credit. Okay, so the potential of more money for families there. All right. I saw something about the IRS introducing its own free online filing platform. What's the update on that? Yeah, so the IRS has this new uh, software that they are piloting uh, called Direct File, which is their attempt to provide an online way of filing your tax return without having to use some third-party tax software. They're piloting it in several states, including Washington, and they announced this earlier this year. They just announced recently, though, that they're still only making it available to federal employees, government employees. They want them to use it. And then later on, sometime in March, they will open it up to the general public. So this isn't for everyone. It's for fairly basic returns. They have limitations on who's allowed to use it. But if all you have is W-2 wages and some interest or dividend income, 
chances are you can use this software and uh, bypass having to pay some third-party uh, software or prepare to prepare a simple tax return. Okay, but federal federal employees are going to be the, the guinea pigs to make sure it's ready for uh, prime time? Yeah, that was a, a surprise. They announced that they were going to be releasing this, and then they said, yeah, we're going to have government employees use it first, which I think is fitting. You know, there's an old saying in the software industry that you eat your own dog food. <laughs> yeah, so, so the IRS created this software, and they're saying, well, we're going to try it out on our own people first and uh, work out any problems or kinks, and then we'll open it up to the public later in the filing season. Okay, now there's another matter here that uh, could be trouble for small businesses that got those employee retention credits during the pandemic. This was a payment they got for keeping uh, employees on, uh, even though business had dropped off precipitously. Now, what's the problem there? Yeah, so the employee rent retention credit, or ERC, was created as part of COVID, and uh, the IRS estimates about $200 billion have been paid out in these ERC benefits. But the provisions of the ERC were so generous that, of course, it attracted <laughs> uh, what we call credit mills, that businesses that set up and persuaded people to file claims that really weren't legitimate. They didn't meet the requirements of the ERC. And Congress and the Internal Revenue Service kind of got wind of this and uh, have really tried to crack down on this and said, look, we're not going to accept these claims. They actually suspended processing these claims last year. But there are a lot of people that were, particularly small businesses, they would rely on some of these credit mills to make these fraudulent claims. And now it's coming to light that a lot of these were bogus. And so you got a lot of small business out th owners out there that are worried that, gee, was my claim legitimate? Well, then if you're a small business owner who may have gotten caught up in this, what, what do you do to protect yourself? If somebody had filed a claim, our recommendation is seek a competent tax preparer to look at it and see, does this look like a legitimate claim? If not, then they may be able to walk you through how to notify the IRS that you were duped. And uh, they'll actually, IRS has, has said that in, in some cases they will only require, if you've already received a refund, they'll only require that you refund 80% of it if you give up the name of the entity that produced that fraudulent claim for you uh -huh. so that they can <laughs> prosecute them. Yeah, It sounds like if you filed your own claim and did it Honestly, you have nothing to worry about. But if you trusted some shady outfit to, to file it for you, you could be in trouble. Yeah. And that's not to say that there aren't a lot of legitimate claims that were prepared by third parties. We certainly do a lot for our clients, but uh, I, I, there aren't too many business owners who didn't get one email at least from somebody saying, here's free money. Just contact us and we'll file a claim for you. So, yeah, they, they need to know on what basis the claim was filed and whether they meet those criteria for, for claiming that credit. Otherwise, uh, they, they may be in a situation where they need to come forward. And how much time do you have to fess up? The IRS has said that they will accept these petitions or people coming forward, what they call a voluntary disclosure agreement through at least uh, mid-March of this year, of 2024, you can notify them under their special program for people coming forward to, to say, hey, I've got a claim here, but uh, looks like it may not have been valid. Okay, we're here to keep our listeners out of trouble. Ken Williams, our tax whisperer from CLA. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> 
Your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. And a shout out to the G and Ursula show and their producer chef for sending me this story. A new governor has been sworn in in Oregon, and she's only in fifth grade. On a normal Thursday, Zoya Shah would be attending classes at Findlay Elementary in the Beaverton School District. But yesterday, she was sworn in as Oregon's seventh kid governor. Fifth graders across the state cast their votes for kid governors, and each elementary is allowed to submit a candidate. Zoya's fifth grade classmates voted her in on this platform. My platform is about creating mental health awareness and acceptance in kids. As someone who has suffered from extreme anxiety, this issue is very close to my heart. I was lucky to get the support and tools I needed, but not everyone may get the needed help. And that's why I'm here to ensure no kid who is suffering has to fight this alone. Zoya's three-point mental health plan includes creating awareness, normalizing and removing stigma, identifying triggers that cause anxiety and depression, and acting to provide support and tools to cope with it. My vision is to create an environment where you can say, I missed school because I had an anxiety attack. Just as easily as saying, I missed school because I had a fever without the fear of being judged. Zoya hopes to start clubs statewide to provide mental health support to students. She'd like five minutes of guided meditation or mindfulness practiced in schools each day. In 2017, uh, Oregon became the second state after Connecticut to start this kid governor program, which is meant to encourage civic engagement at an early age. New Hampshire and Oklahoma also do this. Very inspiring. Yes. And here he is, direct from the G and Ursula show. G. Scott. Hey. Boy, you watch both football games. Both huh? football games. You're amazing. And so let me just tell you how it went down. First of all, good morning to y'all. I hope good y'all morning. are doing well this morning. Happy Monday. Um, I was footballed out. The Baltimore Ravens lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They won big time. They're going to go into the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs just are just a really good team. They're a team that was just, eh, they were okay during the regular season, but they're a different team when they get in the playoffs. They get in the playoffs, they just really do and play good football. So I got to give them that love. Then the next game was the San Francisco 49ers Boo. and the Detroit Lions. And Detroit Lions absolutely smacked them. Smacked them in the mouth. I don't condone violence, but they did. They smacked them in the mouth in the first half. So in the second half, I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know what? I, you know, I'm um, kind of watch some other things on my iPad and, and things like that. Second half starts off, and of course, I think Detroit's going to just take care of things. And it wasn't until Detroit had an opportunity to kick a field goal, and he went for it on fourth down, and I was thinking, just, just, just kick the field goal, kick the field goal. What are you doing? And so it had me stand up, Colleen. I stood up. I said, what are you doing? Why? And so I got on Twitter, and I put a tweet up there uh, on X and put a post up there. And they said, what it is? what is it about coaches that get in these moments and just overthink it? They want to take a risk. Just <laughs> kick the field goal. So I thought that would be it, right? Mm-hmm. No. Absolutely was like. Pulling that thread on a piece of drawers that you got. You know what I mean? It just came undone. <laughs> the entire Lions just went to nothing, Dave. And the San Francisco 49ers win the game. So we got a Super Bowl now that's going to happen in Vegas. I don't know if you're going to go on a strip or not and be there. But Probably in not. Vegas, it's going to be. Send Dave to Vegas. He's send, never been. Send and it's the 
Super Dave Bowl? Dave to Vegas for the Super Bowl. I guarantee you all the listeners right now would not, be like, yes. Gene will be your escort. So <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. Uh, so, <laughs> Meaning you will show him around town. Exactly, exactly. Um, San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know you guys are like, gee, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. But there's no way. There's no way I can mention the Kansas City Chiefs without mentioning Sully's favorite. I got to do it. I got to mention Tay-Tay. Oh, Taylor Swift? Yeah. Yes, baby. Let me tell y'all something real quick. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to know exactly what Taylor Swift means to the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs, since September 24th of 2023, the first time she showed up for a game, she is worth and it has been worth $331 million. TV ads, digital, print, highlights, impressions, social media posts, Sully talking about it maybe in his traffic report. Anytime Taylor Swift comes up, it just generates dollars. $331 million. Mm-hmm. Yep, single-handedly saving America's economy. Does it make them play better? <laughs> Oh, no. But 12-year-old little girls saying, yeah. Because <laughs> 12-year-old girls and under, whole also, viewership is gone. from this day Ding. forward, given what she has done for the Chief, can we stop blaming girlfriends and wives for a team's performance? I am so sick of that misogyny. I, I mean, <laughs> can no. We, we please? No, no. That, well, the reason, why, the reason why Billy can't play well, because as soon as he got married to Sarah, yeah. his play went down. Yeah, stop blaming women for men's problems. Hey, Dave, uh, can, yes. you, can you say Tay-Tay? Tay Tay. <laughs> what does it mean? Say, I'm a Swifty. <laughs> Say it, Dave. I'm a Swifty. I got Dave. Swifty. <laughs> Tay Tay. Wow. Put up the hard Dave. Just say, like this. Dave, say Tay Tay's so my girl. Now, say Tay Tay's my girl. Now officially with it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, t- look, hey, you know who Taylor Swift is, though, right? Yes, I do. Have you been hearing Taylor Swift's name a, a lot lately? Yes, I have. So, so I'm saying, and people love it. Do your grandkids? Do they like Taylor Swift? They they have, they're no too young for Taylor oh, they're Swift. They're too young. They're into the well, well, Back to the game. Well, yes, obviously, okay. and I do too. But um, <laughs> the two teams, though, that's going to be a fierce competition for the, the suit. The 49ers and the Chiefs. That's what the NFL wanted in Vegas. That's what hey, the NFL wanted. Interesting heck, statement. Yes. Interesting statement. Well, 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 NFL. First of all, they get Patrick Mahomes, who's the face of the NFL, yeah. who's really good. You have the Kelsey brothers, yeah. who, oh, by the way, the other Kelsey brother plays on the other team, but you Love still him. get the package. Then you get Tay-Tay, mm-hmm. who Dave just said it a second ago. Mm-hmm. Then, as far as fan bases, you're going to get the San Francisco 49ers, because that's a huge fan base. NFL wants that. It's going to be based. Remember I said it. Remember I said it. This will be the most watched oh, Super yeah. Bowl Ever. Ever. It's, I mean, it won't even, it's going to blow records away. Dave, you started this morning asking who we should root for. Yeah, who should we root for? I heard Sully, hey, boy, Sully was having a hard time. Oh, well, oh, I'm not going to do it. It can't the be Niners. the 49ers. <laughs> Who's it going to be, Sully? Neither. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, I, can't, I, I can't do that, Sully. I've never been a Chiefs fan, <laughs> no. and I just I don't like today. the Niners. You got you to look. If, if You got to pick one team. If it depended on you and Holly having a meal tonight, who would you pick? Mahomes. Oh, <laughs> that guy just does not lose there in the, the some of the plays I saw in the highlights. I couldn't yeah. watch it because my Wi-Fi and TV were out. Yeah. Uh, that I yeah. Can I get you to good. can I get you to say Tay Tay? No hell no. <laughs> no. I'm rooting for the I don't referees. take this abuse. Uh, can't believe that was abuse on Jay Dave Scott to make starting him say at nine o'clock. 
Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930. And if you subscribe, you will never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.